Clay, I don't know what they were thinking. You know, serializing the show, fine. Creating mm-hmm. a new villain, fine. Mm-hmm. Making Archer angry, fine. Mm-hmm. Repelling down rocks, fine. Mm-hmm. It's bad for Mayweather, but it's fine in general. <laughs> um, what were they thinking with remixing the song? I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if I'm going to well, spoil something early here and just say that the theme song remix is the worst part of this episode. But I was. I was appalled. I haven't heard that version in so long, and it makes. It makes a bad song worse somehow. It's like I was I was just getting into Stockholm Syndrome level with the original version, and then this one came out, and it sounds like a Bahaman cruise music mm. that you would listen to, and it's just it's really something. Well, they just you know they're re- retooling the series and taking it in a new direction, and they just wanted to make sure that the song was even more unsuitable for the show that they're producing <laughs> than it was originally. And as like, list- could you imagine? Could you imagine if they at the start of the Dominion War they did like a smooth jazz remix or of a, a the, Who's the Boss version with like Cisco yeah, popping yeah. up out of his office and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, listener Kyle mentioned in the Discord, but the biggest thing about it, it's not that jarring here yet, but they will get to a point where some like really like darker stuff is happening, and then the theme mm. song comes on, and it's just like. Hey everybody, yeah, come on, let's fly to space. Yeah. It's like it's what really the bad. fuck. They, um, you know, my, as a drummer, the thing that changes most for the the opening song for me is that they got rid of the arena rock drum song sound, yes. and they've replaced it with do, like, do, 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 yeah, do. and that that's really what sells the song is that sort of right. arena oh, rock yeah. heavy yeah. tom stuff. And it instead, has, it's just now it's just kind of like a a, a top forty rim click like four on the floor pitter patter thing, and it's like this is awful. This is not exactly what I, I want to listen to at this point. Yeah, the, the the tone of the original one, at least, that that arena rock kind of thing fits the scope, sort of, of what they're going for with the show. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, this um, Full House remix is not working for for it's they do this they do this full house style, you know, sitcomies version, and then they cut immediately to, like, angry Archer. <laughs> <laughs> no time for shit from anybody. Reed, I'd like, people to kill. I'd like to explain to you, Reed, the whole setup for this season, motherfucker. All right. I've got faith of the heart. <laughs> Let's get Love into it. Doop, do, blind me. We're here with the Zindi. It's the next episode. It's the first season of the first episode of the third season, but we'll say that again after this break. We're going to take a break, play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back and we'll break down the season opener for Enterprise's third season. And it is safe to enter orbit. There are no security considerations. He didn't mention any. With all due respect, sir, we should approach with caution. The freighter captain was of questionable character. Where are we, Malcolm? Sir? This room, what did it used to be? A storage base, sir. Conduit housings, I believe. But it got retrofitted. Starfleet went to a lot of trouble to turn it into our new command center. Why is that, Malcolm? Because of our mission, sir. To find the Zindi, right? Right. So this state-of-the-art equipment was put in here to help us gather all the pieces of the puzzle. Figure out who's trying to destroy Earth. Right. Six weeks. We've been in this expanse for six weeks. What data have we gathered? What pieces of the puzzle have we started to put together? Not a single one. So the Zindi is the first episode of the third season. As I said previously, it aired on September 10th, 2003. Almost made the anniversary of September 11th. The Zindi Crisis, it's two of 28. We've got 26 left to go. Written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Directed by Alan Croker. In-universe date is unknown, but it's 2153. Really? Berman wrote this? I couldn't tell. (laughs) He came in at the last 10 minutes of the writing session and said, guys... Let's put a tag on this some bitch. <laughs> I um, we can't start there, can we? Is that is that the place? Let me at least say what the description of the episode sure, is before sure. we get into it. Uh, this episode, six weeks into the Delphic Expanse, the crew is tipped off by a freighter captain who knows a lone Zindi working on a remote mining colony. Do you want to start with T'Pol? I had a, I had a lead in I had planned, but we can go with T'Pol no, if you want. No, we can we can save that if you want. I my lead in is I'm going to be straight with everybody. <clears throat> The Zindi seem real silly. I was going to open with the Zindi, so is is that yeah. that's a good place to go? So here yeah. is here is how I was going to plan on opening that. Clay, you're in charge of writing Enterprise's third season, mm-hmm. and you have to come up with an enemy that we're going to be battling against. We've got a name; they're called the Zindi, but you have to create what they are. 
And keep in mind, your sister show, DS9, just ended, which had a new mm-hmm. enemy that was called the Dominion, which was a collection of species that were enemies of the Federation. Um, this is totally different, though, <laughs> because they're all technically the same species. So that, that's kind of the setup. I don't really have a good question off of that, but I, I will ask you, do you think, and judging by the, the fact that you kind of came out earlier, you don't, but do you think they did an okay job of, in the limited capacity that they do, setting up the Zindi in this episode? No. Okay. So why, I don't. <laughs> why is that? Um, I was a little confused by what they were arguing about at the in the first scene because they were cold open opens the, with a, a discussion yeah. and an argument amongst these Zindi species. They seem to be fairly unaware of why the humans would be sending a ship out to get them. Um, they don't know who launched the probe, which I mean, fine. I guess that's the story they're doing, I guess. They, they know they launched the probe. They don't know what this ship is doing in their space because they would not know how it got there in the first place. And they, mm-hmm. they think it's the beginnings of an invasion is their concern. So do they not, do they or don't they know that the probe cut off circumcised Florida? They do. They know that. They, they did do. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, I don't know why they're so surprised. They're surprised the, because, like Kyle said, the future guy was the only way that they would know, Enterprise would know oh, sure, where they sure, came sure. from. Gotcha. So they're not yeah, sure how right. Enterprise right. found them so quickly. <clears throat> sure. Um, yeah, I just, I found it real difficult to take them seriously right off the bat when your cabal of bad guys Invol- includes a manatee, <laughs> a giant, a giant insect person and yeah. like a werewolf and uh, <laughs> yeah. then halfway through they pan over to the cast of the shape of water is there yep and it's just i don't know it's i you're gonna have to they're gonna have to sell this to me a little bit harder than the, especially because when it's like they're all the same species but they don't like I, I I don't hate that idea. It's a big it, focus the ver- of the episode too. It's like a running plot yeah. to to uncover what they are. Yeah. At the very least it's 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 nice to get some uh cultural um Heter- heterodoxy or whatever you'd say. Yeah. 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 Instead yeah. of just like, well, no, there's only the Klingons only look like this and they only seem to look like, you know, or the Romulans or the Vulcans or whatever. Yeah. There's no Asian uh, there's Klingons only- or anything like that. There's no there's right. no variety that you'd see in humans. <clears throat> Um, but I don't know. Uh, I'm a little bit shocked that they just give them to you so quick right off the bat. I mean, I would be disappointed if they kept it a secret and then they were like, Hey, bug guys. But, um, I'm not really sure. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think the Zindi are going to be a tough sell for me so far based off this one episode. They, they do look goofy. Uh, the CG of the era is a tough sell at this point too because they think the bugs are completely CG. So there's the bugs indie, there's reptiles indie, there's monkeys indie, there's humans indie, and then there's manatee zindi or the five. It feels like, it felt like a Rick and Morty scene. Yeah. <laughs> with all the, the weird, different, silly alien. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, continue. They're arguing. So I would say that they, this group is somewhat disturbingly similar to the dominion in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that i go like why are they so well, similar they got one guy that almost looks like a gem hadar he actually looks the reptile closer to the yeah yeah he actually looks closer to the bad guy from uh, galaxy quest which i feel like we've mentioned that about somebody before um we did yeah 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 the other the episode of trip gets stuck on dawn that was stuck on the planet with that uh other alien it's the darbok enterprise episode Oh, sure sure yeah yeah uh, they're a little bit similar to the Dominion. Not crazy about that. I don't mind the variety of species thing. It mm-hmm. feels like small potatoes. It feels like a difference without a or a distinction without a difference when they are a, the same species, but they look different from each other. It's like, okay, uh, I guess the, in my mind, they're still all very different and they might as well just be Dominion species. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have an idea of what their ethos is in the way that we understand the Dominion, which could can come in and do whatever. The one thing that they have shown is that the Zindi argue with each other. 
mm. in a way that the Dominion might have argued with each other, where it's like the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta don't like each other because they're vying for the favor of the, the prophets in, the, in their mind. The Zindi are more less religiously minded, but they don't seem to get along with each other. And the species bicker about the best ways to do things with each other. I think that's really the only thing that you get out of the Zindi in this episode yeah. because it's not focused on them and you don't spend a great deal of time with them, but they are, they are goofy looking. And they definitely need to do something to add some distinction from the Dominion. That would that would be my my hint uh, to what Enterprise needs to do. And obviously, this is the first episode. There's plenty of time. Yeah, that first scene didn't really. I didn't really get much out of it as a first introduction to these guys, other than this idea that they don't know how the humans could have figured it out yeah. so quickly. Um, you would think that if you're going to give your bad guy that much room at the right up front you would yeah establish what they're about a little bit more it was very um, intentional to put them uh, braga said that they wanted to drop the audience right in with the zindi to just see what they are as like a surprise that you're, which is, you you meet them yeah yeah that's totally fine but like what did we learn from right. this what what purpose did it serve to do this other than just to show what they look like to, to me and, it's a little bit <laughs> It's a little bit out of place because you've assumed that the show, if it's airing in real time, has been off air for a little while, right? And mm-hmm. you would think that you almost need the Archer scene to set the table for you to like re- remind you of what's going on in this show. Mm-hmm. We're, we're coming right into it from the last episode that we watched a couple of days ago. But in real world terms, it's like a couple months that would have aired or a couple months would have taken place between these two. And... As you were talking about, it's confusing because the Zindi don't know about Future Guy. So their confusion mm-hmm. is a little bit strange if you have not seen the show in a while. But it makes more sense if Archer were, were able to remind the audience about that. Because Archer has that scene after you see the Zindi. I would have just flipped it where Archer lays out the entire premise of the season. Like why they're out there and he's yelling at Reed that, about it. Uh, that was my favorite <laughs> Kind of ironically, my favorite scene of the episode because, like, all of the exposition you don't get in that Zindi scene, yeah, they give you in that one where he's like, "Look at this room. Doesn't this room look new? Like you've never seen it before." <laughs> he rhetorically well, asks, "What you do? <laughs> what do we do in this room? <laughs> this room used to be another room, but it got retrofitted, so now it's a command station. <laughs> what does this room do, Reed? I'll tell you what it does. You piece of shit." <laughs> It's like, okay, nice. They have a new command center that they built onto the set. Good. I know how that works now. Yeah. Like they didn't have anybody doing that with the Zindi. It was just them being like, How did they know? Did somebody leave their keys behind? Reed, we didn't purchase twenty seven thirteen inch monitors for no reason. <laughs> why why, Reed, did we do that and put them in this room? You tell me. It is silly. I would have I know that it's hard to fix that scene to make it not clunky, but I would have just had Archer first before the cold open, in the cold open, and then Zindi after that to remind you, oh, yeah, Enterprise is out here looking for these guys. Oh, this is these guys, and go from there, I think. Yeah, coming out, like you're saying, coming into it after a couple months off, and and, I mean, you get the previously on thing. Yeah. So maybe that's enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've found that those things tend to... They usually cut those things well enough. I'm not just saying for this show, but like generally, they tend to cut those things well enough that you know what the focus is of the episode is going to be. Like the the one that always killed me was on Buffy when they would do those previously on Buffy the Vampire things. Like five or six seasons in, depending on the stuff that they showed you, you could basically parse out what the plot was going right. to be about. Who's the focus? Because it's yeah. like, yeah, oh, that person who hasn't been around since season three, that person, okay, I see we're doing this thing. Okay, so those things are going to kind of come together. So it's, uh, they give you what you need. Um, they do. But yeah, I just, it's it's really strange to me that you'd spend that much time. They kind of bookend the episode, right? The Zindi? Isn't they do. There, yep. Isn't there the, another the, scene the later? final scene, yep. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't remember what happens in that final scene. But I think it's I just think they, they you, talk again about they can't figure out what's yeah. going on, and then the bug says, if you don't do something, I'm going to do something, and then it cuts to black. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, again, it's just showing that they fight, yeah. like that they, they disagree with each other. Um, they don't even, do they even have like a line where someone's like uh, exposition-wise, as clunky as it might be, say like, uh, we didn't send that probe to Earth for our intentions insert your intentions here No, they, for them to just figure out like you know it seems like you would get something like that but they really don't they haven't they did well 
they, their intentions, yeah, from the last episode are that they think they're going to be destroyed by Earth in 400 years. So they're preemptively trying to destroy Earth so, so that that doesn't happen. It has a, I, I'm a, I mean, it ties into the plot later where they send them to that planet. The Zindi sends them to that planet that's destroyed, and it happened in the past. I can't they're, wait. They're confused. I about can't wait till we. I can't wait till we meet Zindi. She seems lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the Sorry, Zindi. I, I, did, that, I didn't mean to cut you off. We'll, right. go, we'll get to the Zindi planet um, eventually. The, the the my general takeaway of, of this episode is that um, I thought it was like a extremely well executed Enterprise episode. It felt sure. it felt remarkably to me like Broken Bow, and mm-hmm. down to like them. Mm-hmm. Going to a new area, they go to a CD bar type scene, which happens in Broken Bow, and they talk to the locals, and they're wearing their away jackets that they haven't worn in forever, and mm-hmm. it felt like the series is really rebooting itself. But it, it's also just an action episode that Enterprise loves to do. It doesn't have a tremendous amount to say, but I thought it was way better executed than some of the previous action episodes that they've done. Even Regeneration, the Borg episode, which we liked, I thought this was just better in the sense of like. The way that they worked the, uh, and it is the Makos, the way they worked the Makos into the plot felt like natural and it wasn't shoehorned in as like, remember, yeah. we're here, we yeah. got to do something. The way that Archer gets imprisoned felt like that was very Archer-like, but it also causes like this nice cascade of the ship knows that the warships are coming and they've got to get them out of there and there's the sequence of mm-hmm. crawling up through the plasma vent. It just worked in a way that a lot of Enterprise episodes don't for me. And it, it's mm-hmm. high praise for what I think is kind of an average episode. But I thought that it feels like the show is finally understanding at least how to make an episode of the show that it thinks it is at this point. Yeah, it didn't have any of the ham-fisted or or questionable stuff that you see in the previous seasons like the uh, <clears throat> um, the the one with the Al from uh, where they have to break out of the prison. Oh, the um, God damn it! Uh, I know the the one with the. I can't uh, remember the guy's name. The the, the one, one where Reed comes down and in camouflage dressed yeah. like one of the aliens. From, the guy from Quantum Leap. You're talking about yes, that. Yeah, yeah. That, that episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know where, where we were like, how did four people shoot the one guard who was around this place? Like I, yeah. I felt like the <laughs> the situation in this one felt more. Um believable than than they've done that stuff in the past and having those uh i don't i don't know where the makos dropped in from on those wires but uh, aside from that <laughs> they didn't come in they fast like, aren't, either <laughs> aren't they like 80 floors down or something i yeah. can't maybe they brought them up to the surface at that point i can't remember it was it was a it was a soft rappel down too it was it was just they drop in into the background and start shooting but uh, yeah, go ahead. I, uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, I thought that stuff was pretty well done. I actually really like the concept of the Makos being on the ship. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, because uh, well, I hope that they do something interesting with them. I hope that they create some sort of tension on the ship as far as their uh, practices go and their methods go. Yeah, it seems like they might do that. Although Reed seems to be converted pretty quickly by the end of this episode. He's like, well, I guess I was wrong. These guys are awesome. <laughs> Fuck um, me. Yeah. I, I but uh, it gave Reed something to do at least, you know, it is, sure. it is, they are their presence early on, even if they're not antagonistic because they are subservient to the officers on the ship, like they're lower mm-hmm. ranking than everybody else. They're a civilian military unit, I guess, or whatever. Uh, I just like that it gave fucking Reed something to do, to have an opinion mm. about something. It was like, oh, this is, seems like this is an accomplishment for this show. But I did like them. I like that they were hyper-competent in this. And it just seems like mm. it's a nice... Yeah. It is a nice rival, potential rival faction to have on the series when you're so far from home, to have a military group on the ship as well. It's, it's, yeah. it's neat. It's, like, it's As opposed to the temporal war setup of Broken Bow... I can understand what you can do with a group of soldiers on the ship. And right, it's like this right. clarity to the storyline, which is what I appreciate about it. Yeah. And, and going into it, you instantly know what the conflict there is going to be because Enterprise is more of an exploratory vessel that isn't really. Enterprise is the symbol of Starfleet and your idea of what Starfleet is. And then these guys are just military dudes. Yeah. And so you're going to see where those, those things clash. I think it's a better. It's funny. I. <laughs> I, I I wish um, Discovery 
could have taken a couple lessons from this where you can introduce these concepts without one of them seeming like they're cartoonishly evil <laughs> because they're actually like, realistic. You mean? Yeah. So there's like a yeah. nuance to the position. Yeah. Cause you know, every, everything that's, that's evil in discovery, every shady evil group like section 31 or, or whatever is in that, that, uh, that bubble, they're always like cartoonishly evil and there's no reason why you would ever trust these guys. Yep. Whereas here, it's like, these guys, yeah, they they seem like they're normal dudes who have a different ethos, and that's going to create some conflict. And they save the day um, to ingratiate yeah, themselves. And they, yeah. yeah, and they, they, they get the job done. They do what they had to do, and nobody got killed. Yep. I was actually, I'm, I'm still waiting. No one on the show has gotten killed. Like, not even like a side character has gotten killed. Someone died. Didn't we have an episode with the first death? I thought we brought it up. In the second season, it happens really late, I thought. I can't remember who it is, though. It's not a named person. Anyway, you know how they yeah. show the Makos are good? When the, the female Mako gets knocked down and she's on the ground and the guy's got his like gun above her ready to bash her brains out or whatever, mm-hmm. there's not a character who shoots that guy. She just fights him off from the ground. Yeah. And you're like, oh, so it's like that was not the way I expected. Enterprise in seasons one and two would have had that guy get shot in the back by Archer. You know? Right. And he would have been like, right. hey, Mako, and then ran off and killed another guy or whatever. But this is... Yeah. um. I thought the writing was better in this. Not that the enterprise, not that the episode did anything spectacular, but it felt like it felt like the show had a purpose and a, a mm. drive to it in a way that it's felt meandering for the past season or whatever. Well, I mean, the thing that they're after is fairly con. Well, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, they're looking for coordinates, but the place they're getting the coordinates from is questionable at best. So, like. What are the chances this guy's telling the truth? But they have to take a chance because they're so deep into the uh, the expanse there. Got nothing else going. Um, got to got to sell yeah. this guy some melted down engine liquid. Yeah, and so the uh, the combination of needing that information plus this other guy uh, desperately wanting to get out of there, plus them being locked in by Immortan Joe and his crew of banes mm-hmm. yeah they are very it has there is there a bigger bigotry in hollywood than people on respirators or asthmatics because <laughs> anyone who has a breathing problem is the most evil yes. son of a bitch you're ever going to run into yes yeah yeah as someone as someone with a sleep apnea machine i i know how evil it sounds <laughs> every time i go to sleep now uh, they are very banish come, though they, they look yeah, exactly my dog like won't bane. come near me once i toss that thing on <laughs> um but uh uh that guy, uh, the guy who played that Immortan Joe-looking guy, he's been on Star Trek a couple times. That's I know him as uh, um, low rent Lance Henriksen. He's 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 good every every time he shows up. But oh, sure. all I can think of is it's like uh, Lance Henriksen, but they couldn't get Lance Henriksen, so he they got that is. Guy. Oh, sorry, um, that's Kessick is the uh, alien for is he, uh, the alien foreman. I guess he doesn't have a name, but he is. Does he play a Vorta or something? No, he's Vrenak in Pale Moonlight. He's the he's the Romulan that goes, it's yes. a fake. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the 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 setup for the action seemed a lot smoother than it usually yeah, is. I like, agree. It, uh, like even the way they get out, they're climbing up that plasma thing and then... They figure out they're climbing up the plasma thing, so they turn the plasma on, yeah. so they got to go down, then they get captured. Like they all felt fairly natural and organic to the story they were doing. It didn't yeah. didn't feel like let's blow the let's have Reed have uh, cosmetic surgery to look like one of these guys, so he can go down and help them break out by blowing up a wall or something. I was actually in the scene with Reed and the Makos, uh, where Reed was kind of like upset about their methods or something that was the first thing i thought of it's like oh he's just mad because he doesn't get to play dress up and go down and help yeah there could be could be that reads the reed always struck me as um he's not a soldier he's a he's from a a family of officers you know that distinction yeah he he went to west point basically and these these guys are the actual uh getting their hands in the dirt and getting stuff done and he has like a personal uh jealousy or something for it What's actually kind of funny is these guys feel like they could play the role that I wished Reed had played in the first two seasons of the guy who is not totally on track with the 
Starfleet agenda and is a little bit more military minded. Basically, like took, yeah, a watered down Section Thirty One. Sometimes you have to you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet sort yeah. of ideology. Yeah, yeah. Like if you, it, it's a shame that he uh, he got so little screen time when they created this character. But uh, like Idris Elba's character from from Star Trek Beyond, I find could have been a very interesting character for the era that he is supposed to be from, which right. is this one, right? Yeah, he's he is. I might be wrong, but I think this he is supposed to be on the enterprise at this point you never see him obviously but he is part of these makos on this ship as part of the beyond set oh really yeah oh that's cool yeah um i the the other a couple of the other makos stood out to me because one of them is uh daniel day kim from lost and most recently the hellboy most recent hellboy movie they made yeah he's d chang if you want to remember these mako names he's d chang and the leader of the makos (laughs) Stephen something. I can't remember what his last name is. Scott McDonald? Uh, no, it's Stephen something. His, his, the actor's name is Stephen. Um, lo- yeah, I'm looking. I don't, I don't see anything. He, he's the leader of the Makos? Yeah. Let me see here. Oh, that's not that's not him, obviously. Oh, Stephen Culp? Yes, yeah, Stephen Culp, Culp yeah. is the... Uh, uh, he is from... Um, I know him from Jason Goes to Hell as a very creepy, uh, sleazy tabloid news guy in, no, in, uh, he's, yeah he was on hell. jag and desperate housewives in 13 days too and i guess uh yeah and everything that you've mentioned here so he's, he's had quite a quite a career much like much like the guy who plays a morton joe he's one of those guys who like kind of looks like a couple different actors yeah so he does a lot of tv but he's never really <laughs> give me someone who no looks f- like lance henrickson yeah no offense Stephen here Phil, he is yeah i think Vreenak was a better i i actually didn't like the alien foreman, I guess, as he's called here. Um, the respirator thing always annoys me for some reason. It's a tick. It's a tick that they give characters all the time, and the actors love it. You know, every chance mm. that guy gets, he's like, it's like, well, they had to. I don't know if you noticed, but it seemed like they had to ADR all of his dialogue. I have a feeling he was probably laying it on too <laughs> thick on the day, and so they needed him to pull it back a bit, much like, much like uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Or yeah. Rises. For you, uh, so where do we go, hey man? Hey, nobody cared who he was till they put on the mask. Where do we go from here? I don't think there's much. The, the problem is like outside of praising the episode for what it was. I don't think there's a lot going on. It's a very straight ahead plot. You know, it's not. There's not. Some, oh, I think there's so much going on. There's in not. This some, one. There's not some deep. Well, not as much as that's coming off though. <laughs> oh baby, is, Brandon, did you get my notes? <laughs> <laughs> we can. We might as well. I've move got some into- changes I'd like to make to the first. Well, to the show in general. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to add more guns, but more importantly, can we get to Paul a terrible haircut and a multitude of different colored track suits with? <laughs> they're just <laughs> plunging necklines. There, there. Rick, for you, the track suits are on the house. He does have her dress up in tracksuit. She's no longer, I guess that thing she wore previously was her Vulcan outfit uniform, which I guess, never yeah. never really came into my mind. <laughs> she, so, didn't, she didn't have anything else, so she's just wearing like pajamas now yeah, all the time, it's, I guess. It's sort of like urban camo design, I would describe <laughs> it as, and maybe it works. It looks really comfortable. Well, now she's got it's her like tracksuit on. or something. Yeah, with yeah a, that's what I meant. The with, the, with the zippers weird. and her hair. and Awful hair. Awful haircut. Is there anything else that happens before that? Before we get to that, there's nothing, right? We talked about everything else. It's a, it's a pretty straight ahead episode, um, except for the 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 Terminator Two dream that Trip has. Oh yeah, about his yeah. sister. <laughs> about his sister. I don't think that's worth talking about, but it is very Terminator Two. I guess they do it just to refresh you that Trip has lost somebody, and that's why he's screaming at the Zindi that he goes down to I rescue. Did. I did find something really funny about him standing there screaming at his sister and his sister's looking at him going like, what? I can't. What do you say? Mm -hmm. As this giant laser beam is destroying everything. But I know it's a dream, obviously, but it just was really funny that she's like, oh, trip. I can't hear anything. (laughs) Get that surround sound going. I was disappointed that he shows up as a child first and then they cut away and they cut back and it's grown trip. I was I was upset mm-hmm. he was not still wearing child's clothing while he was in the dream. <laughs> Seems like something that would happen in that situation. I would have liked it if the child was wearing enterprise like a tiny right. enterprise yeah, suit. A trip outfit. All right, so we can just get to DePaul. Well, I guess the only so the Zindi, they do the escape with the Zindi. The Zindi's like, take me with you. 
I, I don't know if I need to explain this, but the whole reason that they're going to this mine is to get this Zindi character. They are paying hmm. the alien foreman to take the Zindi uh, and get the information about where their planet is from him. He's very withholding about this information until the jailbreak happens. And then he's like, take me with you and I'll tell you everything. And Archie says, okay. And as they're running away, the Zindi gets shot and killed. And then Arch is like, well, fuck. And they have to fly off. And then they're like, well, what do we do now? Oh, the Zindi gave us, and with his dying breath in a scene that you didn't see, he told Fox where yeah. you need to go. What? Any that thoughts about weird. this whole this whole storyline? Uh, I mean, that was super nice of him to do with his last breath after getting you know phasered in the chest there to yeah. actually give him the coordinates. Yeah. Uh, after being I after was, being very shady before that, constantly lying about everything, <clears throat> he he did the right yeah. thing with his dying breath. At least we I think. Was, kind of hoping that they wouldn't get anything out of him yeah because i thought it would be kind of interesting to see all that effort and all that bloodshed for nothing yeah that's a very enterprise um, approach right like archer yeah didn't doesn't get anything out of it they do get something it, but they get something in such a way that i'm still not entirely convinced that he gave them good info you know is that the point because they fly um, to that planet that was destroyed yeah and there's no planet there Archer has some sort of confusion about why is he telling us this planet is there if it hasn't been there for a hundred years? Mm-hmm. I, I think they're implying that the temporal war agents have done something in the time that that guy got captured, right? I think that's what the implication is. Uh, that's yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. They do the Zindi guys do mention that they flew to the debris field? Yes. But they don't. I don't think they they mention anything anything about the temporal future guys or anything. The, and the Zindi um, aren't surprised about the planet being destroyed. Right. right. I'm I'm a little confused about what that sequence was all about because the Zindi gave them the coordinates to what seems like a planet. They go there. The planet's destroyed. Archer has some line that I can't remember specifically what he talks about, but he seems surprised that the guy didn't know about the planet because of the length of time that it was destroyed for. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know what that means, and then they leave like nothing ever happened. So I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think the only th- what I, I remember them talking about that the the planet seemed to be inhabited. where they built. It seemed to be inhabited, but it also seemed to be where they built some weapon. The probe, whether or not well, the the the, built- the the composition of the probe matched what they were making on the planet, something like that. Same same kind okay, of thing. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's all very vague, and there's. Not really much you can uh, take away from really it. Really glean, yeah, yeah, from from any of it, uh, except that Archer is just. Uh, we didn't really talk about Archer. We want to talk. Yeah, about let's him talk about him before Paul. we get into to Paul. He is. He's a bit too angry. I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> for if for I'm, five months later into this, he's still. God damn it! Yeah. I think it's just the time that's passed. It doesn't work for me. Yeah, I don't know. I th- it seems very. It seems like a very flat performance. It's Bacula, right? Like, right. I yeah. I understand making Archer angry. I think making Archer angry is a good look for the character mm-hmm. that he is driven this way. It's a little. It's a little strange that he has the same performance of anger that he had when he heard about the attack as he does six months later when they're in the, right. the expanse and he's like, yeah. "I'm still fucking pissed." Um, Bacula. Hey. Is just too Wes, flat. Go ahead. Never forget. No. <laughs> the the picture. He's of the, living uh, it. The, He's living it. <laughs> the picture of the so, overturned chair from that small earthquake we had like a couple years ago. Never forget and support the Makos. So you don't like Angry Archer? I I don't know. I don't ha- I don't like him. It's not that I don't like the concept. It's just that he seems to play every scene the same way. Yeah. It's like Archer's angry now, so he's got to do the angry thing instead of bringing. Like a level of like, I know this is probably an unfair comparison, but when Cisco was angry in the in the 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 depths of the Dominion War, it's not like he played everything the exact same way and was just like one level of angry all the time. He had you got the sense from Cisco he was going to hit the person he was talking to. Yeah, Arch- Archer doesn't give me that kind of intimidation. Yeah, Ar- Archer just he's. He, it just it feels like a performance. Yeah, you know I don't I don't feel the uh, I it feels like a performance and it also bums me out because 
Archer was had the the makings of such an interesting character, and I mean, I, honestly, it's only one episode, so yep. I'm sure they dial stuff in. But yeah. in the context of this the, episode, yeah, yeah, he has the makings of such an interesting character who's been trial and error, erroring things, erring for two, yeah. erring, trial and erring, uh, trial. That's, and that's my favorite this, sibling of story spelling or whatever. Yeah, NBC. <laughs> um. He's been trying this stuff out, and he's been learning as he goes along and learning these lessons and trying to be a good captain, and now he just seems to be angry about it. And i that's why I kind of wanted them to not come away with any information because I wanted there to be like, okay, he tried the angry thing and it didn't work, so maybe we have to recalibrate exactly how we're handling this, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it still ties into how Archer's been portrayed, right, which is that he's portrayed as kind of bumbling and not really the best at his job because he's out there mm-hmm. so early and he's trying to figure it out as he goes. The show still doesn't really seem to recognize that that's a character flaw and not in a bad way. Like that's a, that's a flaw that Archer has as a character that provides dramatic storytelling for his purposes. Mm-hmm. They still don't really get that. And the performance doesn't help. I think Archer is just a little bit undermined by, it's really that. It's that the show the show doesn't want to show him as mistaken, even though so many of his plot lines involve him making mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> about things. And he just doesn't learn from it. I know that we've said that a whole bunch of times, but here it just feels like I agree with you that his anger going into a situation probably shouldn't have rewarded him with something, even if it just propels his anger into the next star that they're gonna visit. Mm. You know, it's it feels it feels lacking or and I know it's too early for the crew to fight back about this. I don't know if the crew does fight back. I don't know if there's some inner turmoil that goes on. But um, for this one, I think that you need to, maybe as a pilot for this new season or the first episode, you kind of need to set up a... I feel they needed to lay the groundwork a little bit better about what the potential downsides of this mm. approach is to things. Not that it has to be the focus, but maybe some character voices something about it. Especially when... The two who get sent on this mission to go get this stuff are Archer, Angry Archer, and Distraught Trip. Mm-hmm. And it's like you'd think you would want somebody who's a little bit more level-headed in that in the mix there and, uh, to kind of handle some of this so one of them or both of them don't fly off the handle. Yeah. Well, these guys have been um, in prison a long time. They haven't seen a Vulcan in a tracksuit with a terrible haircut in 15 years, so you can't send yeah. her down there to, to accomplish this. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean... They they got to spelunk down 80, 80 floors. I guess they could send Mayweather and just have him blow out both of his knees. Does is a is a John Henry the black man who dug faster than the train? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> they should have done should have done that. That's a, I've, I'm surprised that hasn't been turned into a movie. That's like a great movie story, you would think, almost or something. What Has is he even not? from? What's that story from? The John Henry it's, story? I don't know. It's uh, just American folklore. Fable, yeah, American folklore, I think. Huh. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to Paul because we want to get right on top of that. Um, yeah, they have her take her shirt off and hold her tits and I, then I get could, pressed could in the back not, and go, oh, I could not oh. fucking believe this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Chip's going, you like that? And she goes, oh. I could not fucking believe this. <laughs> not not even just that. The fact that fucking flocks. Pimps set her it, out. Set it up, yeah. Well, she's, yeah, she's willing. It was so she, she, weird. <laughs> she's, he's not exactly pimping as much as he's making. He's the, the call station that connects the client to the John, basically, or the John to the, the girl. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's he just works, connecting he works the, the dog. Fr- he's not the madam, but he works at the front right, desk. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was It was so weird. Um, and they're playing it for laughs, and it just... I don't know. It's just... Uh, I thought they almost uh, saved it at the end when she stands up and is like, do you think this is sexual? Because up yeah. to that point, it's almost... I don't I don't think they save it enough, but I understand if that was the intent of the joke to be like, you think this is sexy? This is not sexy. This is, like a, this is a very serious Vulcan tradition that you're going through. The problem is that they've done it constantly with her. So it's yeah. not like it's the shock of... This is the first time you've seen it, and you're like, "What the what the hell's going on in this this massage session?" She takes her shirt off like that, maybe not completely, but she's been in the decon scenes. The show does this to her, so when they do it again, 
it just feels like escalation of a bad idea as opposed to a joke that they're making at Trip's expense mm. in this episode. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, and I I don't the 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 do you think this is supposed to be sexy joke? Uh, I don't know if it totally works. I don't think like it the, does. The execution by the actors, I think, is fine, but it's like you, she, she's wearing like a silk kimono, yeah. yeah, and asking him to come into her like under false pretenses into her room and offering him like some chamomile tea to relax and sit on her bed with it. Like it's takes off the I shirt too, and like a, yeah. a fabric that you could. There's no, that's not obstructing anything. You know, he can poke her in the back with his thumbs and she'll feel yeah. it through her silk. Blouse. And like, you know, I, and I understand the, the idea of the, of that joke is that the things that she's doing, she's doing completely asexually yeah. or whatever. But the fact that they shoot it in it like a porno, basically, <laughs> kind of undermines that joke. It has to be done if, in a, a clinical setting, right? That's the problem. It has to be done right. like in front of flocks yeah. or something. Yeah, and especially especially because Trip's trying to leave. Yeah, you know, he's just like, I don't know, this isn't really what I'm looking for, and she's just like, come over here and sit down in this bed and touch my back. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. like it's it's just really uncomfortable. Yeah, Trips, Flocks told me you'd be a pussy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Flocks told me you weren't man enough for this. Oh my god! It would the, it would work better as a joke if it was done in front of the the flocks or something. Like if there was like a very clinical setting where she came in and did that, and the joke there is, I, I still think like that even needs some kind of character relationship because I think that only works with the character who kind of is, has been pining after to Paul, you know. And it's like mm. you're close, but. What what feels like sex or the like foreplay to you is just this Vulcan thing that she is doing. You know, there's like a little bit of there's something there, but these characters don't have that at this point. They're not they're not romantically linked with each other. They they frankly frankly don't really get along all that well with each other. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I like. Is are they? Is this supposed to be a setup for pushing those two together? They do get together. They do become they do. linked. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this um, is that. I don't think it works as that. So I wouldn't take it that way. Yeah, I don't know. It was just a really I actually like looked away a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I just cuz it's just it's just so awkward and the the full frontal shot of her. Uh, maybe it's not full yeah. frontal, but that that was really doing unnecessary. The, doing the hand bra the hand thing, thing yeah. and I don't know. It yeah, it seems fairly if that's the thing i think that bothers me is they're trying to have to paul play it off as not any a big deal not a sexual thing but the way that they're shooting it is feels so exploitative mm-hmm. and it feels like you just dropped into uh, a vignette in the middle of porkies in this episode of star trek and it's yeah. like Ugh. yeah I, I don't understand. We'll have more opportunities to talk about it. It's a That's run, why it's a I was thing. telling you, you need full penet. What? <laughs> I can't say it. Penetration. I already said it. Brandon, this free trial of Skinamax. My God. <laughs> Brandon, I, I love that scene that you wrote. It, it really. T- oh, wait. No, I wrote that scene. I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> Brandon. You ever heard of softcore porn? I think we could air that on on Enterprise. I, I saw no penetration. Whatsoever. Listen, listen. I just came from the investors meeting. This UPN network not going so well. <laughs> I've got a few ideas. I say we just swing for the fence. You know what? Let's get caught trying is what I'm saying. <laughs> Let's call it a day there. We'll take a break, play a clip from the episode. We'll read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about this season opener called The Zindi. The doctor injected you with a placebo. He sent you here because he wanted me to persuade you to try Vulcan neuropressure. As I predicted, it was a pointless exercise. Why didn't he just ask me? He did. You refused. So this whole thing was just a setup. The doctor knows how intransigent you can be. Intransigent? Unwilling to compromise. I know what it means, but it just so happens it's not true. I'm as willing to compromise as anyone else. Then take off your shirt. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast today. Much appreciated. Welcome to season three of Enterprise. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show to all our patrons. If you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and a couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month. Extra podcasts, extra polls, extra behind the scenes stuff. There's the uh, Discord access, blah, blah, blah. We just did GoldenEye. We did Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This month, we're going to be doing what looks like a TOS episode rewatch. And what's the other thing? Iron Man. We'll start an MCU. Oh, cool. Extremely slow Iron uh, MCU rewatch with Iron Man this month. So that'll be fun. I haven't, I don't think I've watched that movie in. I haven't seen it in a decade, at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, I mean, he's such a prominent character, obviously, because of everything that came after it. But I. I've maybe seen it once since it was in theaters, I mm-hmm. think. I so should. that'll be kind of fun to go back and check out. Yeah, I think, I think the only thing I've seen is I showed Alistair the scene of him with the original Iron Man suit breaking out of that cave or whatever. Oh, cool. I think that's cool, the only cool. thing that yeah. I've seen of it. Um, we, get to, we get to see the original uh, original, original James Rhodes of, with uh, Terrence Howard. Oh, yeah, that's right. Before he got unceremoniously. You know, he was the highest paid actor on that movie. Was he? Uh-huh. That was, that's peak him, I suppose. But how many movies yeah. was he in? Two? Three? Just Nope, just that one. Just that one. Okay. Yeah. Then they recast him with Don Cheadle. All right. So if you want to hear our thoughts about Cheadle replacing... <laughs> is it uh, Terrence Howard? Is it Terrence Howard? Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah. All right. We'll have that. Iron Man, we're going to be talking about this month on Patreon and a Star Trek revisit of The Ultimate Computer from TOS. So thank you very much. And a special thank you to our $10 patrons who are... Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Matt Ross, Andrew Charlock, Sam McCuster, Cardinal Doomsday, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Rim Santo, Sean, Christian Pouch, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Volter Team Hero, Russell Elwich, HH18, Stephen Minton, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Nick the Rat, Eric Santuan, Kevin Lowry, Captain Brazen, Jakey's Gamer, Grappler, John Zorn, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaff- uh, Jaffer, Rayhan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, Retail, Olivier Pardieu, Worf's Tandy Brian Dix, Tom Hickey, and Jose Hunter's EWNF remixes. <gasps> Thank you very much for joining us on this journey to the Delphic Expanse. All right, Clay, patron thoughts. If you're a patron, you can mm. leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. This one is for the Zindi, which is annoying because when I control F and go through this, there's like a million mentions of Zindi, but it's only in the titles that I'm interested in, and it's really distracting. So I'm going to have to call them something else. Jakey's Gamer says, The Zindi, a fairly average episode, action episode altogether with an ex- escape plot. Excuse me, it's late. My brain is dying. And the scene into Paul's quarters is a little cringeworthy. Brandon! Still, they do some decent world building here with the introduction of the Zindi Council, the anomalies, and the Makos. That goddamn voice is going to be my legacy, isn't it? We That's still have to make the t-shirts of him, I know. his we face, which is saying Brandon. Yet. And I think the episode sets up the chess pieces fairly well for the season. Speaking of the Makos, they said it took seven weeks to get to the Expanse, and they've been searching inside it for weeks as well. So I'm not sure I buy Hoshi just now meeting them for this first time in the mess hall. <laughs> That's a good point. Got to get the exposition in somehow, I suppose. Hey, Three out of five. She's a she's a bookworm. She just likes she keeps to herself. She's been reviewing their wiki entries. Obviously, has to get has to memorize all that. It is true. the The timeline is just weird. I understand they have to do it because it's supposed to be very, very far away. Um, I, I guess it's weird. Sorry, I was gonna say. Do you find it weird that they didn't introduce them in the last episode? It was. It was weird. Yeah. Did they have the concept of them in the last episode? I couldn't remember. They must have because they don't introduce them here as anything other than these are the guys we talked about before. Yeah, I feel like they do mention them. Yeah, but I could it is weird you don't wrong. see them. I think that's the. It's obviously just like a. It's an old thing of the season ending into a new season where I feel the journey to the expanse should have been a couple episodes of this season. Yeah, you know, probably. Yeah, yeah, but although I mean, the expanse is so big, we got time. Why? Like even at the end of the episode, <laughs> Mayweather's like, "Where do you want to go now?" And he's like deeper Fur- further <laughs> just keep going straight <laughs> no more questions mayweather thank you jakey's you give it a three out of five uh let's see here so now i have to click a whole bunch of times there we go rayo says 
The Zindi, one of Brandon Braga's passions is his trashy pulp sci-fi, and you get the sense that he had a lot of fun with it on Voyager. Unfortunately, a lot of the passion has been absent from Enterprise, I assume due to having to write and rewrite so many scripts to the point of exhaustion. For this episode, he has recreated a diabolical mining foreman armed with a menacing 1930s microphone, a prop that would not be out of place in a Captain Proton holodeck episode. I did I did also notice the microphone. I thought it was kind of strange, too. Con- <laughs> consequently, though, the fiendish sci-fi throwback villain ends up being overshadowed by the overshadowing the Zindi's big mystery. And unfortunately, Braga takes the trash and it's way too far by having Julian Blaylock strip nude for what is effectively softcore pornography. No problem with that. The sense of misery on Julian Blaylock's face when she's topless does drag down the episode. I what is, what is that joke. I never noticed the, what's the thing from clerk, not clerks chasing Amy. I never noticed the disinterested look in their eyes. That's one of my favorite <laughs> lines from that movie. Um, he gives it a 3.5 out of five. Thank you very much. Click, click, click. Point X to G says, the Zindi new theme song remix. I think I like the old one better. Speaking of introducing new things, that's what this episode does. It gives us five new different flavors of bad guys. The commandos were inserted into the storyline just so that they could be introduced to the audience, but it's a good first impression. We get a good mystery with the blown up Zindi planet. Definitely a promising start to a season long arc, but hey, they still have to cram in more pointless Julian Blaylock ogling scenes where they're sitting around topless holding her boobies and showing us her O face. They do. No one missed that scene. Matt Ross says, considering there was always the Romulan war story, I never understood why they avoided it and why there were not more why there were not more patrol ships or Makos on ships to begin with. The most interesting thing is the evil federation of the Zindi Council. Archer's change to angry is a bit too much. His jaw is so clenched, I swear you can hear his teeth grinding. As to the evil mining group, it seemed rather generic evil. It's odd that it seems like Earth has two starships and nothing else. Three to Paul massages out of five. Latte Librarian says, of course, the least humanoid Zindi is the most evil one. That's the, the bug one, I'm assuming. Well, the manatees are fairly, I guess bugs are more, less human than manatees. T'Pol gets a semi-nude scene too. Small pajamas, two new uniforms with deep V-necks and new eyebrows. Amy mentioned the eyebrows too. Women love oh, really? noticing eyebrows. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I've never noticed eyebrows. In and my how? Life. What are they like when they drive, Wes? I don't. I don't know. They're probably looking <laughs> at their eyebrows. Um, <laughs> Amy mentioned the eyebrows too. It's interesting. I just. I've never. I've never. Um, I believe lots of librarian is female. I've just never had. I've never heard a guy mention eyebrows before. It's really strange. Um, aside from the obvious exposition, the cartoonishly evil mining operation, and the vomit-inducing massage scene, this was an okay episode. Two placebo injections out of five. And then Kyle Barrett says, Enterprise has been in the expanse for six weeks with nothing to show for it, but maybe they would have found the Zindi already if they hadn't stopped for that haircut. I think this episode makes a wise decision by keeping the core story of Archer trying to make a no rough stuff type deal quite simple to allow ample time to introduce several of the season's new elements. A fun detail is that Idris Elba's character from beyond, Balthazar Edison, says he was a former Mako who fought the Zindi, and because this season is the only known conflict with the Zindi, he's likely one of the Makos on board Enterprise throughout the season, albeit unseen. We also get the debut of the new command center, which is basically just a wall of 32-inch plasmas. You get a schematic of a Terrellium D mining facility up on that baby, and you are seriously looking at that schematic of a Trillium D mining facility. Four out of five. I uh, <laughs> good peep show, Joe. Part of, part of, part of um, I hope I hope the Zindi turn out to be better because learning that that uh, Idris Elba's character was one of the guys who fought the Zindi sounded a lot sounds a lot cooler until you see the <laughs> fucking bug guy and the. <laughs> Kirk, we repelled slowly down into caves. <laughs> you don't understand. There was a bug guy and a werewolf guy. One of them was in a tank of water, Kirk. <laughs> like nothing you've ever seen or experienced in your federation. I hope so. I hope the bug guy bites a head off of one of the Makos or something just to make Balthazar Edison's a sacrifice. It seemed like it was, it was something more... more uh, more uh, impressive that's it um for the zindi speaking i i just want to say speaking of haircuts i i i feel like i've seen pictures of tapal with really long hair yes is the idea that she just stopped cutting her hair now that she like now that she's not not a vulcan anymore not, not a, a vulcan <laughs> she's just like she's off to college now and she just lets her hair hair grow is that the deal she has i think she has long hair because that, that haircut is terrible i th- I I might be wrong. 
I it's think like a she, seven, a se- seven on the Kira scale, seven out of nine, seven. Um, I think, I think she has long hair in their mirror universe episodes. Oh, I see. Okay. I think that's what it is. I might be wrong and she might grow it out, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's when she has very long hair, like shoulder length. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it for Zindi. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patrons. And thank you for leaving comments. Clay, our scale of one mm. to five, what are you going to give this season opener? Um, I think I'll give it a three. I think it's fine. Um, I did want to ask you, because we talked a little bit in the last episode about this being the same kind of uh, retooling, repositioning. Uh, now you're speaking my language. Um, as season three of discovery sure how do you how do you feel how successful do you feel this is or i guess which one do you feel is more successful in in doing that if you had to compare them i think this works better um Mm -hmm. this one hits a solid single and discovery doesn't uh discovery just swings hard and misses i think i'm it's a little bit unfair because i know discovery's full season there i might have been better just based on the pilots of each one like the first episode of each season but i think that um i just think that like the stakes of the enterprise one in the plot is not exactly exciting Mm -hmm. but it's trackable to me and it's not sure it's also not promising huge things to me you Mm. know archer's not Mm -hmm. like the zindi aren't destroying the universe you know it's a race against time to find the Zindi before the star absorbs the entire universe and everything time stops or whatever. Um, the stakes are a little bit smaller and they feel just more Star Trekky than mm-hmm. Discovery's version of stakes do. And so I think it's a success just based on that. Yeah, I feel <clears throat> I feel like the successes of it are what you're talking about, where it's it's uh, it's not promising the universe and what it is giving you. It's doing fairly well however i do feel like one of the things i thought the discovery uh season opener actually did do was kind of lay the groundwork for what they were going to be going after in the season like you got the burn right away uh you got the disillusion of the federation right away you kind of got an idea what direction it was going to go more or less Mm um you don't think they did that i mean I would argue that I, well, the Zindi are that, and you get that scene of the weird physics anomalies that they keep running into where the things keep mm-hmm. flying back and forth in the shuttle bay. I, that's yeah. not great, but I feel that that's, I feel they're just continuing stressing the point that the Zindi are there, they're the bad guys, and this is a weird area of space where weird shit happens all the time. Yeah, I think, I think that's the difference is that the, it's just they're doing fewer things because ultimately, what you're getting out of this episode is the setup is we're trying to find the Zindi full stop. Yeah. And that's fine, I guess. Um, it also that it's a backbone for a very, it's not a tremendous leap from what enterprise was doing. Like the search for the Zindi is going to have them have an adventure every single episode in a way that discovery kind of did it, but it it feels more like it's very similar to what enterprise was doing its entire history. Mm. And it's, yeah. it doesn't feel non star Trekky to me. Um, yeah. And I, I think where, where discovery gets in its own way is, and, and where this is actually more successful is by having something that's not totally pinned down. It's just like, you know, like I said, it's like they're going after the Zindi that leaves you open for more possibilities than what they did on discovery, which was they gave you like three very specific things that they were going to be dealing with. Yep. And then you're kind of like locked into paying those things off. Yes. And ultimately not. Right. No time, to, <laughs> no time to d- develop ideas slowly and see if they are worth doing or anything like that. Yeah. Like if, if discovery season three and the end of the episode, you it's, all about it's like oh the federation is broken up let's find out why okay mm-hmm. well you've got the world in front of you you can do whatever you want but with those other things that they layer on top of it yeah it just it makes things it, it kind of limits you as far as what you're going to do whereas i think here i get i think the only downside to what they're doing here is that when you get to the end of this episode and it is so hard to track exactly what position you're left in 
um, that's a little bit of a, of a downer. But yeah, ultimately, I would say I think this is probably a little bit more successful of a, a repositioning because you I, even outside of the 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 things they're after. I think they reposition the characters pretty effectively as to what their mind state, uh, mind state, state of mind is, mindset, 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 uh, what their mindsets are, and the new inter ship uh, conflicts that might arise and stuff. So I think I think they do a pretty good job. Yeah, I I'm going to give this a three out of five as well, but I think it's a it's a good three out of five. Like I, I think that I think that the changes it makes to the show are actually positives in the long run mm-hmm. for most things. I like the I like the background story. I like having a new villain. I like the fact that the characters are different a little bit from what they've been. Like they at least, even if it's all that they're all just angry, there's at least something that's not just bland. Hoshi sitting at her desk and Reed doing whatever. That's all positives. And I think just for your comparison against Discovery, one reason that um, there's a difference there is that I think we do have to be conscious of the fact or cognizant, or however you want to say it, um, there's going to be 24 episodes of this. Sure. So it's not Discovery's 12 or 13 where things have Mm -hmm. to happen a little bit quicker. Um, And don't mistake that for saying that like it's just better with less. It's just I think that they have to space out their information pacing slowly on this to get through Mm -hmm. it in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's about it. But yeah, I like this one. I I give it a three. I'm, I'm happy with the direction of the show and I think I mentioned it last time. If it had been another season of season two, I'd be like, "This is, this is yeah. bad." At this point, like, I don't know if I could do twenty-four yeah. episodes of that. So I'm, I'm really glad that there's at least something else in the background that makes this different. And I feel like it gave us something different to talk about on the podcast to this point. So I think that that's a positive too. Yeah, something definitely needed to change, and I think it's unless it, unless they go completely off the rails as far as the tone of the show i think it's probably only going to be a positive yeah. i hope anyway yeah all right we'll take it there thanks guys very much for listening thank you for supporting the show patreon.com slash the file if you want to support us patreon.com slash the file it's much appreciated we put up a ton of stuff on patreon it's like if you think you're getting a decent amount just on the youtube it's like double on the patreon so it's something worth considering thank you very much clay do you have anything you want to say um we are off uh badass is still off uh we've got cabin in the woods coming up next i believe for rotten horror which is uh are we doing these star treks once a week yeah so this is okay. so next, week. Be next is, week next week yeah, is next horror. week will yeah. be next week will be cabin in the woods um and we've got this month on patreon we'll be doing friday the 13th part three that amanda and i will be watching it in 3d Oh, nice. So that'll be uh Who has the 3D TV? One. Do you have a 3D I TV? Do. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. <clears throat> I've probably talked about this before. I got a DVD player or Blu-ray player, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Actually, probably more, 12 years ago at this point. Um, It's a completely separate story where I bought it specifically so I could use it on a, on a TV that didn't use HDMI, that used the component cables. Mm-hmm. But when I got it, I hooked it up it didn't come through HD and then I looked it up and it's like, Oh yeah, it actually doesn't allow you to play HD video from the Blu-ray through, through the those. components. Yep. What the fuck is the point of having them? But anyway, um, <laughs> you're in that Wanda also, Maximoff era of cold war DVDs. Players well, it was, what, I, I was, I was looking it up and the, the thing that was that I was reading was like, they did it to prevent people from ripping Blu-ray DVDs or uh, Blu-rays. Uh, but the person said, if you were to be a person to try to do that, you would get laughed out of like the pirate circle because nobody does that. Sure, yep. like it was it was a it was a, a protection that was not necessary because people don't really do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also a 3D Blu-ray player, which I didn't give a shit about. I didn't have a 3D Blu-ray. I didn't have a 3D TV. And then we moved in here. We got a TV, 3D TV, which was after the 3D TV wave was over so that like wasn't even advertised it just also happened to be a 3d tv sure yeah <laughs> just throw it in yeah, sweeten the, the deal and uh, i never used it i've we've had we've been here for seven years i've never used the 3d function and then i bought the uh universal monster series a couple months ago and it came with creature from the black lagoon which you could watch in 3d if you had the tv in the player so i threw it on and it was awesome Oh really? Like I, I never would go out of my way, and I still wouldn't, to buy a 3D TV and a 3D Blu-ray player specifically to watch 3D movies. Yeah. But now that I can, 
super cool. Sure. Especially that one because it's like you know a black and white three D movie that looks good is is a is really cool to yeah, it's see. Kind of, it's, it's all unusual. underwater. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And they've got the underwater element kind of like layers things really interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once then after I got the Friday the Thirteenth set, I was like, it it comes with the three D version, and I was like, well, how many of I them mean, are three D? Just that one. Just that one. Yeah. If we're going to do it, we may as well do it right and watch yeah. in three days. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to think if there's um, – you have to record your podcast in 3D. Um, <laughs> 3D, 3D sound. <laughs> Stereoscopic. Wasn't that – that was a thing. For a while, wasn't there like high-definition Blu-ray sound was a thing? Yeah, there, there's like so it many different – wasn't a Blu-ray. Yeah, there's so many different – It was like you could buy a disc – that was Blu-ray sound or something. Yeah. There's just so many marketing names for sound. It's like, you know, the, the Dolby Digital, Dolby Plus, Axios or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, just it's 196 kilobits per second CD rip. And they'll be like, this is high def audio. <laughs> um, that's it. Guys, thank you very much. You can check out the Patreon. Clay's 3D podcast will be out on it soon. It's setting new uh, setting new markers for quality you gotta have, podcasting. Your headphones have to have one blue speaker and one red speaker in order to hear <laughs> hear it in the full 3D 3D surround sound. And we'll be back with more Mako action, more Vulcan massages, and more Archer getting angry about stuff next time with the next episode is Anomaly. So, thanks very much guys for listening. We'll see you next time.